listening to the Batman Universe Commentaries, brought to you by thebatmanuniverse.net. Join the staff of the Batman Universe as we watch another exciting incarnation of the Cape Crusader from his extensive media library. Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Commentaries and today I am joined by... This is Melinda. And this is John. And we are here to bring you the commentary for the second episode of The Demon's Quest. This is Demon's Quest Part 2. As you heard two weeks ago, we reviewed the first episode of the two-part uh, episode. So this time around, we're just going to jump straight into the actual episode since we've already talked a lot about Ra's al Ghul in the, in the previous episode. So just... Grab whatever you're going to use to eat or drink while you're watching this episode, and we're going to start it at the Warner Brothers Animation logo in 3, 2, 1. We talked about the music in the last episode, and you know the one thing that, uh, that I kind of want to bring up, because we haven't really gotten to a lot of those episodes yet, is... When the um, show turns over and it's and it was kind of like air it aired during what they called the Batman Superman Hour, and they had kind of like the Batman Superman intro. I wasn't a huge fan of that intro just because I thought that there wasn't it wasn't nearly as like iconic as this intro was. Yeah, I think it was interesting. I think it's interesting that when that happened, they. And then they did the DVD releases for it. They changed it back and then labeled it as Batman the Animated Series Series Four to try and tie it back into the into it and where they redesigned all the characters as well. I didn't think it was as good. Although there are some good storylines in there, I think. Old wounds particularly. It's also interesting that this, that, you know, they spend a little bit of time actually showing a recap of the previous episode too. I think that's kind of interesting because the episodes are already pretty short as it is. So to have the episode actually, the, the actual episode just literally just shows the fact, you know, so in reality, you know, two 22 minute episodes, including the credits and that end up becoming one episode that's about 20 minutes and one episode that ends up being 18 minutes because of all of the stuff that happens beforehand. And also, as as you see during those opening credits, Len Wein was also involved in this episode as well. Well, I think it was probably pretty, especially for the two-parters, it's probably really important to recap because you've got, you've got a fairly young audience and you need to make sure that anyone who didn't catch it is caught up to speed. Um, like, it's really no different than two-parters or, you know, previously on whatever show. Um, you want to make sure that your audience isn't going to lose interest and isn't going to tune out. I think it's also a nice um, 
little. I mean, obviously, it's quite a well-known TV trope, but I always seem to. I always remember the Batman '60s series doing it as well. You know, it would. The first one would be they they do at the end of the first one. It would be oh, will they get out of it? Tune in again, same back time, same back channel, and then you'd have the recap again at the beginning of the next episode to to do it and perhaps i'm reading a little bit too much into it but i always thought that that was maybe a a subtle reference to that plus i've always wanted to use a previously on on the batman podcast but never had an opportunity to we'll just have to have an ongoing discussion about something well i've got no man's land coming up on bbfb and i'm tempted to use it for that I love how a simple slap seems to just drive the madness completely out of him, and she knew that the whole time. Yet she pretended like she had no idea about it. It's cool. She's she's pulling the classic female look, the look shyly from underneath the bangs, flutter my eyelashes a little, and Batman should be putty in her hand, but he's not having that. It's, it's right, really... And somehow Batman is just going to die after he just defeated all of those guys in the first place, so, you know, fit, uh, solved every single one of the problems that Roz put in front of him. But he's he's just going to be, he's just going to be, you know, left for dead and he's going to die. Well, I, I, I like the fact that he's saying, well, wait, he's seen too much of our secrets. He knows too much. But he wanted to leave at the end of the first episode. You could have just gone, yeah, it's fine, leave, we'll go, do it. (laughs) And that's the end of it. So actually, he's going to kill them for helping him, even though they didn't want to help. It it doesn't make any sense. It just seems a bit ridiculous to me, and ungrateful as well. He's also leaving them, you know, with a rope that leads right out of whatever this cave is. Or at least to high enough ground that the Lazarus pit goo, water, acid, isn't going to touch them and drive them insane. So what does he think is going to happen? This was a really poorly executed plan, Roz. And all all that, and he destroyed the Lazarus pit to go with it. If only he was able to see the future and know that the Lazarus pits start drying up, maybe he probably wouldn't have done this. If only he had, you know, had some of his henchmen with guns just shoot them. <laughs> because that would be the simplest solution. <laughs> from what I understand, he's not averse to using guns. Uh, yes, but it's, uh, it's lead... Uh, well, actually, it's technically James Bond syndrome, which is um, the supervillain takes the least obvious route to trying to kill them rather than just shooting him in the head. Well, at least Robin in this series has pants on, so you don't have to feel too bad that he's just wearing little spangly shorts in the Himalayas. He's still got short sleeves. I'm pretty sure hypothermia is going to set in at some point for him. 
Oh no, because apparently they just show up at Wayne Enterprises Nepal. I miss the days when the computer had the green green writing going across the top and you had to program everything. <laughs> Just the vector lines? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I just love that they're not using any sort of search engine. Like I love I love seeing old technology in TV shows because oh yeah, Orpheus there's no text appearing on the screen, but I can tell that that is a satellite that's been launched into orbit. Yeah, I wonder if Batman, if they did it nowadays, would just be really lazy and Google everything. You can't Google. You can't show Google without paying Google, so you'd have to use one of those made-up search engines. You could call it Goggle. Goggle, yeah. Wouldn't you start hallucinating if you were traveling for long enough in the desert anyway? Yeah, you would start to see the... What do they call those? The uh, Oasis? Mirages. Mirages, yeah. I love the fact that Batman's wearing the guy's outfit, yet still has his mask and gloves on, and the guy's like, well, the guy behind me wasn't wearing gloves before clearly just put them on. He specifically tells them to hitch hitch their mounts, and yet the camels just are seated. There's no tying them up. They could run away at any time. Way to not listen to Ubu, guys. So is he wearing his cape under those robes at this point? Yep. I guess so.
<laughs> and he just keeps praising him over and over again. Oh, and he, he, nothing happens when he tries to take it off. And that fabric just tears right away. We'll take his shirt off, if you can leave his mask on. Yeah, supervillains are just weird. Those bombs look like Pokemon balls. So he's going to flood the planet with Lazarus Pit goo, thereby destroying it and corrupting it and making it impossible for him to use again. Yeah, there's, that's the biggest hole in his idea is, well, I guess he's dead. Huh. I gotta say, Roz, this is not the greatest plan you've come up with. I like how his daughter responded to it when she listed off the number of people that were going to die. And those those fans of the uh, normal cast and comic cast, you probably have heard some of the clips from these films um, used in, in some of the episodes, sound clips. So I've we we've definitely have used some of, a, a lot of clips Why doesn't he just kill him? He's got him tied up there. Why does he have to witness everything as if this is going to somehow make any difference? And then kill him. It's really pointless. This is also from the villain that's, you know, chaining him up shirtless in some sort of dungeon. Maybe this is where the uh, idea for Fifty Shades of Grey came from. Oh. 
Worst henchman ever. <laughs> Not so great without your utility belt until you throw up a lockpick. Yeah, that's gotta, like, shred your esophagus coming up, Batman. You should probably see a doctor. Also, if he's, like, standing beside the Lazarus pit, as everyone else is, do they not realise it's going to kill them all as well? I don't think they understand anything. They probably don't even (laughs) understand what he's saying because they speak a different language. Ah, fair enough. He's just kind of... He talked! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) He turned up! He just said something! Yay! And they're cheering, you know, minutes afterwards. Yeah, because they look pretty surprised and uh, not that happy about all of these explosions going on. Pretty sure they weren't expecting any of it. Seriously, Ubu, they give you two weapons. You should be master level at both of them. That's all you get to fight with. Yeah, but again, Indiana Jones, it's been proven that Sword Expert is no match for Indiana Jones with a gun. Fair enough, and we get to see this shirtless sword fight. This is straight from the original Ra's al Ghul story that Denny O'Neill wrote. Well, I know that a lot of scans that I've seen have Batman in his cowl, but shirtless, in connection to Ra's and Talia. And so this was kind of, it was interesting to see it, but it was a little bit like, this is really weird. I would say in the 70s, they did have a lot more chest hair. Oh, okay. So they were not the finely waxed specimens that I see on my screen. Exactly. Yes, I'm not quite sure what's more homoerotic, this scene or the scene with Superman and Batman from Dark Knight Returns.
So by jamming the satellite dish, the satellite falls out of orbit completely? Yeah, no. Okay, science. I get it. Yeah. That's what I'd say. Because science and stuff. He's so lucky that that's stuck in that concrete like that. And isn't it all flexible? And also, Dustin, you need arm. to start doing voice work. Yeah, I guess so. Right, because after he falls in the Lazarus pit, he's just going to die and become one with the planet. Even though that's happened none, no, no other time he's landed in a Lazarus pit, but sure. But Ubu already set this up. The healthy person, when they fall in, will die. Oh, that's right, yeah. So he'll, he'll die and become one with the world. Still doubtful. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they're counting mental health there. I find it interesting, this this episode and the first episode, Talia is walking around completely barefoot no matter where she's at. Can you imagine what her feet look like? Um, Tons of calluses. Oh, yeah. Not very attractive for someone who's supposed to be the daughter of this rich organization leader. Well, she's also... um... That scene of him standing in front of the sun kissing her, straight from the comics. What is going to come of me? I don't know, but I'm leaving Hugh here in the middle of the desert with the burning city. Best of luck with that. He he still doesn't put a shirt on in the plane? Yeah, doesn't put a shirt on. Somehow has a canteen full of water, though. Yeah. Oh, but is he dead? The hand rises. <laughs> I'm just waiting for William Dozier's voice from uh, the... 1960s TV show to go, but is Roz actually dead? Tune in next time. All right, so that was the end of that episode. So overall, uh, let's give our thoughts on not only this episode, but also the overall two-parter. So what did you guys think of the ending of the Demon's Quest story? This was a pretty, it was a great episode. Um, I felt like it was a little better paced than the, than the first one. Um, but I like that, you know, as you mentioned, Dustin, you had all those things that were directly from the comics that, you know, Dennis O'Neill put in and Len Wein put in because they wanted to tell uh, Ra's al Ghul's story. Um, of course, there there is stuff that's absolutely ridiculous in there because obviously Ra's could have won very easily by having his henchmen use the guns, but... Um, you know, we're still operating under probably the comic code at that point where bad guys can't ever win. And, of course, on a kid's show, you don't want to show that either. Um, but it was a great introduction to uh, to Roz as a character and to Ubu and to this whole other, you know, treasure trove of stories that could be told. Because, you know, you've got Roz who knows both identities. He actually wants Batman as his heir. He wants him to carry on his work. So... There's a really conflicted relationship there, so it. I thought this was a great jumping-off point for that. 
Yeah, I think there's some good moments. Um, again, the as we said in the last one, the nods to the comic is very nice. Um, it's nice that they got Dennis O'Neill to write it as well, um, because obviously he introduced Raz Al Ghul into the comics. Um, that's his character. He knows him very well. However, I think there are really a lot of goofy, unnecessary bits in it that sort of you can kind of takes you out of it and and it's sort of i think this is probably the the weakest out of the two episodes just because it kind of feels like it takes a really left turn into just becoming this a sort of odd stereotypically laughing maniacal villain um and again i i come back to this whole idea that i just don't feel the threat from Ra's al Ghul, he's just another angry Peter member, and I keep—I know I keep saying it, but that's really how he comes across in this. I don't feel like he was ever threatening the world in any kind of serious way. I—I I didn't feel that kind of idea of social Darwinism that usually comes with him at all, which I think could have been an interesting route to have gone down. I mean, yeah, he did sort of cite numbers of how many would die and things like that, but he probably doesn't include himself in that number considering he's standing next to a Lazarus pit. I didn't get the feeling this was thought through or gives any of his level of detail and attention that we come to kind of expect from, from Raz. He thinks his plans through, he works them all out and he puts them into action in a really clever way, which is what I liked about when you look, you know, when you're thinking about other kind of references and, and media versions of him, what I liked about, the Chris Nolan version of Raz al Ghul was that he'd thought this through, he had this all planned out, and he was leading it through, and and he was being cunning and clever, and I didn't think that that came through in this episode, and it, it was quite disappointing, actually. My thing was, you know, obviously I think that in some cases they're better, better incarnations of Raz, but I think for this specific one, because it is drawing so much from the original uh, origin story of Ra's al Ghul from the comics. I think it works and I'm okay with it. I mean, it definitely has its faults as I've, I pointed out numerous times throughout the episode, but I think that overall it did a really good job of portraying Ra's as the character that he really is. Yes, there, as I said, there are better incarnations, but for the time, this was a good introduction to really say, Hey, this is another character that we have from Batman's universe who is a, you know, is a legitimate threat and you know, even if it, even if his plans aren't so incredibly, um, you know, hard to foil by Batman, it's, it still comes down to the fact that despite all of that, he still, in fact, has these grand, this grand plan that is much more worldly than any of the other villains that Batman's ever come in contact with. And I would honestly say that this is like Batman's first international villain that he's come in contact with uh, in the in the animated series because most of the villains are all based in Gotham, end up in Arkham, and that's always the case. But this is a completely different playing field, and it's much it's on a much larger scale. So that is basically everything for this episode. I want to remind everybody to head over to the website for all the latest news related to everything related to the Batman universe. Check out all of the other podcasts we have to offer. Tune in in two weeks for another episode of the Batman Universe commentaries. 
And you can email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net or leave us reviews on iTunes or leave comments in the section below the podcast post on the website. That is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Melinda. And this is John. You've been listening to the Batman Universe Commentaries. We'll see you guys next time. Don't have nightmares. Thank you.